Uh, we're in a series, and if you got your notes, you would open them up, called Generous. I've said this every single week. It's a three-part series, it's, and we're participating in what we call the Generous Campaign. We believe that the church should lead the way in unleashing extravagant generosity to a hurting and broken world. And here's the reason why we believe that. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, churchgoer or not, we believe that the God of the universe has so extravagantly loved us in sending his son, Jesus, to die for us that we would have a relationship with him, that we've experienced the extravagant generosity of God. If that's really true, if that's actually what we buy into, then how can we not, as followers of Jesus, then express and extend extravagant generosity to the world around us? And yet, we often find generosity being an event, generosity being a season. Isn't it weird, I mean, just by the way, that this season that is so often identified as, you know, the generous or the giving season, that it so easily becomes the getting season, and now it's all about getting more and more mine. I mean, so much so that uh, we had to make a new day. Did, Did you notice that? Like Thanksgiving, you know, it was like, it used to be Thanksgiving, but now Radio Shack opens at 8 a.m. Like, didn't know there was Radio Shack, but okay. You, you know, and you have Black Friday, and it's crazy. And Black Friday now is like Black Week, you know. I mean, uh, it's just like the whole week of like, hey, how do we sell more? And then Cyber Monday, and then now what do you have? What? Giving Tuesday. Well, thankfully, we got a day to give, okay? Just one day out of the year, we're going to give. And, and here's the deal. We believe as followers of Jesus, it, it is a way of life. And so every year we teach this series on generosity. And we change it up, but we call it the same because we long for it to be part of our DNA because how God has loved us. And so my invitation for you is a part of the generous campaign. And so part of that is we're going to just uh, tackle things both here locally and both uh, in other parts of the world. And so here locally, we've adopted kids, and I mean, uh, missional communities have done Project Linus, which is making blankets for kids in uh, the hospital. And so, I mean, we, we're doing a lot locally, but globally together, uh, our heart is to raise $50,000 to send kids in uh, the poorest, uh, impoverished uh, hemisphere, uh, Haiti, the third, sorry, the poorest, well, I totally got off there. But, you know, the most impoverished country in the Western Hemisphere, there you go, thank you very much, uh, and say, okay, how do we make a tangible difference together? And go deep with the community. And we're partnering up uh, with an organization called UCI and saying, okay, let's send 100 kids to school who wouldn't be able to go to school. And that's an interesting conversation with my kids, talking to them. You know how you go to school? Yeah, you know. But, but, but by the way, there's kids that would die to go to school. They would love, absolutely, they, if they had the chance, they would absolutely so love it. And, and we want to send 25 young students to college as well. And we want to be a part of that. And, I, and I, here's my ask. I, I long for every single person in our church to participate, 100%. Whether you're a college student, you're going, I don't have much money, and I don't have, you know, a whole lot to, you know, you go, okay, forgo a, uh, 
you know, a movie or a coffee or, or, you know, tell your mom or dad, I'm not getting you a Christmas present this year. Sorry, I'm giving it away so a kid can go to school. And you could even write that in the, you know, give them a Christmas card and say, I gave it to someone else. Um, <laughs> I bet your parent would be stoked, though. Yeah, maybe you're in a different stage of life, family or beyond, but everyone give to the capacity of what they can, and we join, and then we get to celebrate. Man, look at that. Look at what we were got to be a part of, of making a tangible difference both here and in Haiti. And so would you join us on that, the generous campaign? Because that's just what it means, I believe, to live out this Christian walk, to love others the way God has loved us. Uh, we've been talking about generous and this concept of generosity for the last few weeks, and we've been asking this question, why is it, why is it that more rarely satisfies? Uh, today in our culture, we, we buy into this idea, this, this is the popular undercurrent of everything that's sold to us. The more I have, the happier I'll be. The more I have, if I get blank, then I'll finally be fulfilled. Then I'll finally be satisfied. Then I'll finally have what I want. But why is it, if that's true, and it gets sold to us, I mean, it's really apparent in this season, why is it that more doesn't satisfy? You know, a lot of people think about, you know, when I finally own my own home, and especially in this area, it's so hard to own a home, and you're like, well, once I own a home, then life will be great, and then all of a sudden you own a home, and you're like, whoa, I got to pay for all that, and something broke down, and I can't call someone, I got to do that? Well, you know, why doesn't more, you know, finally having the right car, or the right job, or having enough in the bank accounts, or, you know, finally you're like, once I get this, then I'll be secure. Why doesn't, you know, maybe you're living from vacation to vacation, and your vacations have to get bigger and better, and you're just like, if I just had more time off, or maybe more, more sex, more pleasure, more stuff. But why? You know, you sit back. I mean, maybe you're there. Maybe you're at the end of your rope. Maybe you're kind of going, you know what? I'm tired of going around in a circle and going from one thing to the next, hoping it will satisfy, hoping it will fulfill, hoping that it will bring life. And at the end of the day, it actually causes more problems at times, and it doesn't fully satisfy the way I hoped. If you're there... There's, there's this passage in the New Testament, this section in the New Testament, a letter written by a guy uh, we call the Apostle Paul. He actually grew up really, really wealthy. In fact, he, if you don't know his credentials, he was a Roman citizen, and that was, in the day was meant he was like, uh, you know, part of the elite and had access to people and places that others did not. Uh, and he grew up with the greatest education, and he was one of the top minds of his day and, and had a radical encounter with Jesus, and as a result, moved from opposing and persecuting Christians to being a Jesus follower and writing uh, a majority of the New Testament, this Apostle Paul then took a young pastor under his wing. His name's Timothy, and Timothy was pastoring this church in Ephesus. And Ephesus is this city, it's this port town on the province of Asia Minor, and it really was this incredibly beautiful, magnificent, influential city that it was the gateway to all of Asia uh, for Rome. And so Rome would use it as, as its headquarters to 
propagate and, and push Roman culture all throughout the province of Asia. And Paul's writing to this young pastor who's pastoring this uh, church in Ephesus and these incredibly influential, wealthy, elite people. And he, he's basically kind of putting his arm around them and saying, hey, you know what? Let me, let me tell you why more doesn't satisfy And let me give you a revolutionary way of life for those who are living who have more but find that internally they are experiencing less because of that. And so he has this revolutionary way of life that we've been talking about for the last couple weeks and we're closing. And he starts with this revolutionary perspective. In verse 17 he says, Command those who are rich in this present world. Now, immediately, we, you know, if you haven't been around the last couple weeks, you go, well, that's not for me. This is the reason you may not even know this passage that God talked to rich people, you know, that God addressed rich people, but he does. And, and it's not negative either. He's not down on you. He he's, says, command those who are rich. Now, let me give you a definition if you weren't here for rich. It's just having more than you need. That, that's what it means to be rich extra. Having more than you need. If, if you have, you know, more food than you need, if you have a place where you store your food that you're extra, that you're not going to finish it all, that you don't eat it and that's it, you don't have any more, but you have extra, you are rich, according to the definition of richness. If, if you have more than you need of clothes, you have more than one pair of clothes or more than one pair of shoes, or maybe you have, some of you don't have a car, maybe you have, but some of you have more than one car. You have extra and say you are rich. And so this is addressed when in our culture, especially in our city, many, if not all of us would be rich. And he's saying, okay, this is for you. This is for you. I want you to hear this. Command those who are rich not to be arrogant, not to think their stuff somehow makes them a someone, not to think their stuff makes them smarter, or to put their hope and wealth, which is so uncertain. Don't, don't put your significance or your security in your stuff. Don't put your identity in what you have, but put your hope in God, who, and I love this, what is it? Who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. See, God has given you what he's given you to leverage for good and to enjoy. See, money and stuff promises what only God can provide. That's why more never satisfies. And so there's this revolutionary perspective where we finally understand as long as my hope is in my stuff, as long as I'm looking to stuff to satisfy, it never will. But if I begin to understand God can provide for me what I'm looking in other stuff, then I go, okay, 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 okay. Money and stuff will never provide So my stuff will never satisfy, but God will. So then he says, that's a revolutionary perspective. Let me give you a practice of how you put it into practice. Command them to do good. We talked about this last week. To do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. Command them to do good with your time. See, generosity isn't just about your money. It always begins there. But with your time and your talent and your energy, energy, what you bring to the table. What if we, instead of like, got, you know, in this season, have you gotten frustrated at people who are just acting like jerks? Anybody been to Costco yet? <laughs> yep, okay. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. 
And what we do is we gripe and we complain about those who are, who are driving erratically, those who are doing all kinds of stuff. In fact, I remember one time uh, someone in front of me was driving, you know, and they had that sign, if you're driving poorly, call. And I've only called it once before, and I, I called and I said, man, this guy's really bad. Get him off the road, whatever. I mean, he was really, I mean, you know, really dangerous stuff. And she thanked me and said, hey, by the way, um, you know what? It, you don't have to always call in when it's negative. You could call in when it's positive. And I went like, yeah, who's going to do that, you know, <laughs> honestly? What if, what if in the area of doing good, what if we caught people doing good instead of catching them doing wrong? What if we made it a, a habit to, to catch people doing good and then to go, hey, way to go. Keep going. Or, or, or we just begin to share that instead of sharing all the stuff that's going wrong. Let me tell you a person that I caught doing good this last week. I was pulling into my driveway, and my neighbor, Jeff, I saw him. He had his leaf blower out, and he was blowing the leaves uh, in his yard. And by the time I had gotten home and was pulling in, he had blown all the leaves in my yard. And then he didn't stop there. He went down to the next neighbor, blew off all their leaves. The next neighbor blew off all their leaves. The next neighbor, I don't know how far he went, honestly. I mean, he just kept going. Command them to do good. He says there's a revolutionary perspective. You're rich. You're rich. You are. You got to begin to embrace that. Put your hope in God, not your stuff. As a result, you, there's a revolutionary practice. Do good. And as a result, there is a promise connected to that. There's a deep promise that if you don't see life this way and you don't put it into practice, you'll miss out on it. Because he says next in the text, in this way, in this way, when you see life this way and you do life, here's what you'll experience. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that's truly life. And isn't that what we're searching for and what we're looking for in our stuff, in our pursuit? We're, the deep longing of the soul, by the way, is to move from mere existing to truly living. And so many feel like they're simply sleepwalking through life and searching for the next bump to give them a sign of life. And Jesus says, I provide it in me. That's why we call this church awakening, by the way, that he's awakening new life. So there's this incredible promise. And, and here I kind of called it this way, why you can't afford not to be generous. That there's this promise that, that he unpacks two big ideas why it's so genius to be generous. And the first one I just want to lay out there is, is I think really pertinent, especially if you call yourself a Jesus follower. And many in this room, if not most, would call themselves a Jesus follower. And so as a result, listen up. You have to hear this. First reason it's genius to be generous. The first reason you can't afford not to be generous. Paul, the Apostle Paul would write, here's the promise, is that you are uh, investing in your future. It's a future investment. Now, his future investment, notice what he said. In this way, you'll lay up treasure. Now, what, the definition here for treasure is to store up an abundance for future use or, or to keep safe that which is of true value or of great value. 
uh, as a firm foundation for the coming age, future. We always think of life in for now and realize and, and don't realize, man, there is a coming age. In fact, that word, it's such an interesting word in the Greek. It, it, it actually literally in the Greek, you would pronounce it mellow, which I just thought was funny. Uh, but uh, this word means inevitable. It means it's inevitably coming. You know, as Ben Franklin you know, said, the only thing certain in life is death and taxes, right? And, and it's inevitable. It's coming. There's a future age that is at hand that we believe as followers of Jesus to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord, that there is an eternity at stake. And he says, the promise is that you would, when you leverage generously now, you're laying up treasures for later. And so what we got to understand, what we got to break our hearts around is you can't take what you make to the next life. You can't. There will be no U-Haul behind your hearst. But we live like we can. We live as if now is all there is. Earlier, the Apostle Paul was writing just prior to this text. He was speaking about contentment. And he, and he has this line, and we all know it to be true. It's so obvious. Uh, it, but we, we miss it in the everyday. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. We brought nothing in. You showed up naked. You're going to go naked, Okay? I mean, and eventually worms are going to eat you. Thank you very much. There is an end point, and we don't like to think about it in our world. We don't like to think about it. And in fact, in America, we do everything to postpone the signs of aging and that there is an end, and you'll take and stretch things from places and expand stuff and do whatever it takes to make sure it, you don't have signs that the end is coming. But I just want to encourage you today, as you came to church, you're going to die. Be encouraged. <laughs> right? But, 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 but. But if it's true, if it's true, life's short and eternity's long, the question is, which one are you preparing for? Which one are you investing in? See, there's two different philosophies of thought. There's lots of them, but I'll give you two. Uh, in the ancient day, there's this group called the Epicureans. Uh, and their motto is one that we buy into. In fact, it's been quoted in songs in our day. They had this slogan, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we'll die. Said so the reality is the brevity of life, I get that. I don't know what's happening next, but I'm going to live it up now for me for all that I have. And the reality is, is you can do that, but you will enter into the next life much Horror. In fact, if you want to write down a passage, James 5, 1 through 5, talks about what happens to those who live that way. See, you can't take what you make with you, but you can invest now for later. The promise of generosity, the genius of generosity is future investment of laying up treasure in heaven. And he says it this way, as a firm foundation. As a firm, I love that. Uh, foundation, this word here, firm foundation, is the supporting base of a structure. It's what you're building your life on. Let me ask you, what are you building your life on? I mean, where is it? And he's, and he's saying this generous life. 
See, you can't take what you make, but you can invest for eternity. When you give generously, when you give generously, you are investing eternally. That's what the scripture says. Jesus said it this way. Do not store up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Saying, you want to be a wise investor? You want to leverage what you have for the greatest amount of good, for the longest term uh, amount of uh, impact? It says, begin to think eternal instead of temporal. But store up for yourself treasure in heaven. Live generous lives where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The reality is, is life is short. Eternity is long. And we get to have the decision. We can live for the present or we can invest what we currently have and for the future gain of all of eternity. Wouldn't it make sense? Wouldn't it make sense to, to begin to leverage now for all eternal impact and benefit? The first reason it's genius to be generosity, uh, generous is uh, future investment. The second is one that if you're going like, I don't know if I buy into the God stuff. I don't know about all that eternal stuff. And by the way, Ingram, you can't prove any of that. You're right. You're right. I, 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 have, I have the word of the Bible. And basically, I, the reason I believe in it is because Jesus said it. And there is this incredible event we're going to celebrate in four months called Easter, and Jesus said that he was going to die and come back to life, and then we have historical proof that he did it. And any man that can say that and then do it, I trust the other stuff that he says. Okay, this is the reason I believe this to be true. But I, I can't prove that, that, but here's something that I can prove. When you're generous, the promise of generosity isn't just for investment for the future. It is present fulfillment. Present fulfillment. First, generosity moves you from being consumed with your stuff to experiencing contentment in your life. It moves you from being consumed, consumed with your stuff. I got to have this. I got to get this. The next, next, next. Or what about, or maybe this will happen. I don't know. I got this now, and now I'm so afraid that I'll lose this. To being content in your life. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. It's, it's always going to be more, always going to be more. Where Proverbs 11, and I'll focus on verse 25, it says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will, him, will be himself refreshed. Well, that didn't prove anything, Ingram. Okay, well, I just came across a Times uh, article online after uh, Giving Tuesday, and there's actually scientific data about being generous, and the scientific data that's come in, and you can look it out, it, it first came up on um, health.com, I believe, this post, uh, but is first that when you live generously, when you give, giving actually helps reduces stress. Did you know stingy people are more stressed out? 
They have much higher stress because they're always concerned about their stuff. They're always consumed with their stuff. And, and generosity actually reduces stress. It's actually scientifically proven. The second is they, they suggest that generosity actually leads to a longer life, that, that stingy people have a 30% higher risk of dying sooner than generous people. And they're looking at it like, okay, and they think it's a, uh, to the health benefits of not being stressed in some of those other areas. Um, you have lower blood pressure when you live generously. Your, your blood pressure just goes down. Maybe you don't need the medication. Maybe you just need to be generous. I don't know. Try it. Try it, you know. Talk to your doctor. I, I'm going to go on the generous, you know, blood pressure system and see how that works. It boosts your mood. I mean, literally, but research shows that, that the same things that happen in your brain, uh, it, it feels the same just as much as giving as receiving. And you go, okay, hang on. This isn't just something that was written a couple thousand years ago that it's like, yeah, that was good then. This is stuff that we're seeing that is so in our culture, but science says, yeah, you know what? There is something genius about being generous because it moves you from being consumed with your stuff to being content in your life. Uh, second thing uh, along present fulfillment is it, is it then positions you to experience the blessing of God in your life. It positions you to experience the blessing of God. And, and, and I just want to say this gently. I think some people aren't experiencing the blessing of God because they're out of position, because you are uh, unintentional, unaware hoarders. And you think it's mine instead of thine. No, notice what uh, Jesus said here. He says, give, 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 <laughs> give. Yeah, okay. And it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, I got this measure. It's going to be pressed down, poured over, and it's going to be overflowing. As you give, God says, in the same measure, I'm going to return back to you. The Apostle Paul, uh, building on that, says, remember this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly. And we get this. If I only plant one seed, I'm not going to expect a whole field to suddenly explode out of it. Whoever sows sparingly, well, you just reap what you sow. That's the law of the harvest. You reap what you sow. And, whatever, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one should, use, uh, should give what you have. Now notice this, just underline this for me. What you've decided in your heart. See, generosity, we said it last week, is not contingent on your circumstances. It's a condition of the heart. Each one should have decide, uh, give what you've decided in your heart, not reluctantly, not like, oh, I don't really, not, you, know, you know, give it back, you know. Or under compulsion, I don't really want to, but I guess I have to. Ryan's been talking about it. I don't really, this is not, if you feel manipulated into giving, do not give. Period. Four, here's why. God loves a cheerful, happy, literally hilarious giver. You ever been around people like that, by the way? They're so fun to be around. Man, I love hanging out with generous people, you know, and you, you, they've just given generously, and they're like, it's my joy. Man, it's awesome. I can't believe I got to be a part of that. See, that's, that's generosity. Generosity isn't going like, mm, here you go. 
and you're watching them and you're counting. Yep, I gave that. Mm-hmm. I'm keeping track. I gave that. Mm-hmm. I gave that. All right, God. He says, no, no, no. Not under compulsion, not reluctantly, but man, God gave me all that I have, so I'm going to give it away. And man, I can't believe that I get to help that family. I can't believe we get to help those kids in Haiti. Wow, I get to be a part of that. That's what a cheerful giver is. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, this is not the health and wealth gospel that you might have seen on the TV that makes me just want to puke. Okay? This is not give $10, God gives you 100 or sow a seed and blah, 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 blah. That's not what he's saying here. There is the reality that God is the shrewdest investor on the planet. And when he gives you stuff and finances and money and time and you invest it wisely, he will give you more. Because he knows that it's not going to get stuck with you, but you're going to give it on. The thing I've been working so hard with my kids and this season is so tough uh, I, anybody getting those magazines? You know, like tons and tons of magazines and uh, what do they call them? The, the things that have all the catalogs. catalogs. Thank you very much. Uh, catalogs, we get them all and my kids are starting to look through them and they're starting to circle and it's like exciting at first. I'm like, oh, cool. And then the other day, it like hit a breaking point and my kids just sat on the couch and they're like, I want this, I want this, I want this. I'm like, no. <laughs> Because what it does is it produces a discontentment about what you have, and you, you see things that you didn't even know existed, and now you need, you know? And you're like, oh, and, and we're like, okay, close those, throw those away, and then go find some toys to give to other kids who don't have toys. You know, okay. We, but, I, but I started this mantra yesterday with our kids. I said, do you know why God gives us a lot? So that we can give a lot. You, you know why God gives you a lot? So you can give a lot. I want my kids to know that, to remember that, to, to know that, that God doesn't give you a lot so you can feel good and just have it all great. He gives you a lot so that you can give a lot. And when you're generous, it positions you to experience the blessing of God. But it doesn't mean that he's going to give you like a million dollars. Man, the blessing of God, think about the blessing of God. You get to be a part of things that are significant. You get to live a life and leverage your life that's meaningful. You get to experience relationships at a depth and get to be a part of things that you never would have otherwise. You get to experience joy and peace. You get to have impact. See, there's this present fulfillment right now, this promise, this genius of generosity moves you from being discontent consumers to living content, fulfilled lives. It positions you now to experience the blessing of God where he says, man, I know that I can leverage what you and use you in ways that, because you're faithful, you're going to give it away. And as a result, as a result, here, here's the final thing. You end up with more of what matters most. You end up with more. we're running around searching for more, trying to get more, and and he says, this is why it's so genius to give. This is why it's so genius to be generous. Is you run around searching for more, and and yet you end up with less. And he says, when you give and when you live generously, you end up with more, but not just of more stuff, more of what matters most. 
You end up with more time with the people that matter most. You end up with, with deep relationships instead of being so consumed with getting more and attaining the corporate ladder and running and looking back and realizing all the significant relationships you had in your life were totally destroyed because you pursued more. You live generously and go, well, you know what? I, I, I'm going to live in such a generous way that my kids know that they have a generous dad who's present who's present with them, whose attention is fully focused on them in this moment, that isn't distracted by all the demands in the checklist. You end up with more of what matters most, living a life of impact, leaving a lasting legacy. Luke 16.10, Jesus said this, whoever can be trusted with very little, or whoever is faithful with very little, will also be faithful with much. And whoever is dishonest or unfaithful, with very little will also be dishonest with much. So, if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Did you notice in God's economy, the little is money? He says that's the little stuff of life, guys. That, that, don't you, the things that you put so, such high priority on and such attaining and, you know, I got to get that house, I got to get that car, I got to get this education, I got to, but he says, those are the little things. And he says, if you're not faithful with the little, like I said earlier, he's the, the shrewdest investor on the face of the planet. How, how will he trust you with true riches? How, how will he trust you with significant relationships? In, in, in leaving a, a life that, that leads others to him and seeing your life have fruit and purpose and meaning. See, why it's so genius to be generous, why you can't afford not to be. First, future investment. As a result, life is short, eternity is long. The call is to live like it and begin to order your life around that instead of living like life is all there is and there's nothing after. And then present fulfillment. You're searching, uh, we are searching for life that's truly life. And he says, says, as long as you're looking somewhere else, you'll never be fulfilled. But when you when we say, okay, God, you're the only place I can experience deep meaning and joy and peace and purpose and life. And so as a result, all that I have is yours. And so I'll do with it however you call me to do it because my life, my life isn't about this stuff. My life is found in you. You have given me life. And so this is just stuff. See, there's a massive difference. Massive difference when, than, you know, looking, than, you know, using people and loving money than loving people and using money. And we flip those around. He says, no, no, no. Money is just to be used and to leverage for good. I gave it for, to you to enjoy and to leverage for good. As we close this series, um, I came across this quote. I've known it for a while. There's a guy named Jim Elliott. Uh, he was a famous missionary. Worthwhile read to read his life, by the way. 
and especially over you college students that are going on Christmas break pretty soon, just look him up and grab a little biography on him and read his life. But he said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Could it be we've been running after things and searching and striving for things that are fleeting and will never keep and go, you know what, that, we could steward now for all of eternity. And, and so I just want to simply uh, invite you, if you're here and you've never heard the reality that God loves you, God's for you, that there is a generous God who gave generously to you his son. That's what Advent is about, God with us, the God of the universe coming to be with us, to show his great love, his generosity, that he desires for you to experience life and peace and purpose and hope. And so I just, I just want to, I can't help but talk about generosity without talking about our generous God. And if you've been striving and pursuing and looking for something or someone to satisfy, but you're finding yourself empty or going through the loop over and over again, I would invite you, would you give your life to Jesus? In him, in him is life. He said his own words. He said, I came that you might have life and life to the very full. And would you step into a relationship with him? God of the universe stepped into time, space, history for you. The God of the universe died on the cross to heal the brokenness of our lives, to bring wholeness to our souls, and rose again on the third day that is historically valid and accurate. And you can go look it up and do some research on it. Over 500 eyewitnesses in that day saw the risen Jesus so that you might have life and move from existing to truly living. And so if you're here and you've never stepped into a relationship with the God of the universe, never experienced life, and you feel like you're just existing, I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus or you just simply confess, God, I need you. God, I want you. Would you come into my life and make me new? And so if you wouldn't mind, would you just pray with me real quick? And there's, there's nothing kind of big or significant, you know, or like mystical about the prayer. It's just an honest conversation with God where, where you would just say, man, this is where I'm at. I long to have a relationship with God. I've been looking for something and come up empty. Or you just say, Jesus, I need you. I've, I, I, today, I understand that you love me and are for me and that you gave your son for me. I want to trade with you. I want to trade just existing for life. I want to trade my old life for a new life in you. I want to trade my heart for a new heart. Would you come into my life and make me new. I believe you died in my place and came to life that I might have life. I'm putting my trust and my hope in you today. And if you just prayed that, would you mind? I mean, I want to be, be able to celebrate with you. Would you raise your hand just so I can see it? I don't know if anybody did, but um, would you go ahead and just raise your hand? Amen. Way cool. Way, way cool. Anyone else? 
come. And God, I just, I just pray for each person in this room that you would give them the overwhelming sense of your great love and your great delight that we would be caught up in the wonder of your generosity, that we would live generous lives. And that we wouldn't just experience life that's truly life, we would extend life to others around us that's truly life. In Jesus' name, amen.